Ladies and gentlemen, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you back to the first official episode of The Story Club. And to help any feelings I may have had of feeling rusty, I've made it mildly easy for myself by sitting down and having a conversation with a very good friend of mine, Colin Campbell. Now the advantage for me, obviously, is that Colin's one of my friends, so it was good, it was a nice, comfortable, easy discussion, and it was great because there is a thing where when you sit down with somebody you know the conversation, it takes on a different tone rather than when, you know, I'm sitting down with somebody who I maybe know through just a professional capacity or someone I've made a connection with specifically to get them on the pod. Now as always, I don't want to give too much away in the intro, but what I've always found interesting personally about Colin is he balances having a successful career, which is his main focus and priority, alongside his Instagram page, which he started in a fitness aspect, sharing meals, sharing movements, sharing exercises. So we talk about Con's journey, how it went from how he got into fitness, how he got into bodybuilding, why he started the Instagram page, and Colin also is very interested in self-development. If you listen to his podcast, Canberra Conversations, he gets on some great guests too, where they talk about things like mindset, how to be better. It's things that Colin has successfully implemented in his life too. So we talk through all of that. And without giving too much away, we'll dive right on in. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Here we go, Colin, round two. Round two. I like, I'm not ashamed to say this is going to be the second time we've did the podcast. Um, funnily enough, the first episode I ever did back when it was the 30-something was um, I wasn't happy with the way it came out. So I actually did it with that guy a second time. So obviously, maybe I was feeling self-conscious. Maybe I felt I was a bit stiff when we did it. So for those listening, me and Colin did this about two, three weeks ago um, back at my place with the classic setup of my wee Yeti microphone, but I gave it a wee listen and I wasn't too happy with the way I was kind of asking questions. So I've done one episode, but since Con's going to be episode one, I feel I've loosened up, I'm ready to get back to it, and here we are. Yeah, ready to rumble, and uh, we've, we've had a practice run out of the way. We did, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and for those who don't know, me and Con are actually friends connected during lockdown. I say through the kind of like just being Scottish podcasters. Yeah, creating podcasts, a couple of mutual friends that makes it more easy to connect and say, oh, do you know such and such? And then you can kind of ask each other about what you know about that person. Who was it again? I always forget our It was It was Kyle. So Kyle had worked at Slater's. He'd worked with me when I was in the insurance space. And I think you'd done some podcast editing for him. He, I did a video for him in our mutual gym Glasgow Fitness, shout out to them. Yeah. I know a few of them, I've got a few of the guys on I'd, my Instagram, I'd so this will be credit the, for them. I'd seen your video for him and been like, yeah. oh, who did that? And then weirdly enough, I actually already had you on LinkedIn because I think a lot of people in Glasgow that are the same sort of age. And you're a LinkedIn stuff. Love LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for work, less so for podcasting, although in recent months and years, I have used it to prospect and connect with guests, which is... A useful tool. You can voice note on LinkedIn now as well, so you can bring a bit more to it rather than just recruiters sending you messages asking if you want to get a job, which you'll know all about. Well, one of your, yeah, back in the, the recruitment days, well, one of your skills was sending videos, but we'll maybe get around to that. Um, enough flirting, even though this feels really romantic. Looking deep into your eyes, the way the setup is, it feels quite intense. 
Yeah, I can I can handle it, Johnny. I'm used I'm used to sitting across the dinner table for you, so this is a well. So we, a we don't up. need to talk about your passion for Rangers, but I think they just drew with was it Ross County? So yeah, Ross you County, need to yeah. loosen up, feel relaxed, maybe get out some of that rage. So here we are. This could be my most ranty podcast yet. It could, you know what? Those are the best kind. They're polarizing. They get people talking, sharing ideas. I'm all about that. But we'll start at the easiest kind of point. Colin, for those who don't know who you are, can you please just, I'd say just tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe go back to, instead of going way, way back to the day you were born, how about what did you study? What path did that take you down? And I'll kind of jump in from there. Yeah, that's great, Johnny. So I'm 29 years old, so I wouldn't have qualified for the 30 something podcast, but I qualify for this one because this is about a story rather than a particular age demographic, which yeah. is great. Not discriminated against. <laughs> uh, we're all about equality in this podcast. And I studied at Glasgow University. So I'm from Bearsden, just outside Glasgow. And I did the thing that's slightly more common in Scotland than it is in other parts of the UK where you stayed at home for university and studied politics at University of Glasgow, started in 2010, graduated 2014. During that time, I I was I was a bit of a rugby boy at school, very into that, very much enjoyed the social side of it, but also I got into lifting weights, which is going to form a, a part of this conversation, I'm sure. Mm. And Initially at university, I thought I was like excited to study politics and it actually turned out that that wasn't really the case and it was very much a degree with a means to an end. Mm. But during that was time... Was a means I to an end just to have a degree? Means to an end, have a bit of paper from a Russell Group institution that makes you look quite clever because mm. that that is very much what we're measured by in certain circles in, in, in the UK and I wanted to tick that box. And strangely enough and for somebody that now speaks on a podcast every week and posts himself all over instagram i became quite shy during university uh, in my first couple of years i think because i wasn't living in the halls i wasn't associating with people outside of classes and lectures i was a little bit less involved within the scene but did the rugby team not give you that sort of so i actually played i actually played club rugby which ah, right, on okay. reflection was probably a little bit of a mistake because although i got exposure to a lot of um like more mature circles and learnt from them when I was like 17, 18. By the time I was at university, I probably should have associated with the the, the university sports club. Well, that's a, that's, that's a difficult one, right? Because I knew a lot of people in uni who were on the uni rugby team and those who kind of wanted to take it a bit more seriously. If you go down that path of university rugby, there's, I mean, I'm sure you know yourself, the horror stories of like initiations and stuff, which don't get me wrong, when you're 17, 18 are probably hilarious. Looking back at some of the stuff I heard. So you did get to avoid that. Or, yeah, or well, was there any club, of that club, the club? Club, there was a lot of that club rugby as well. It was okay. a very, very big drinking culture. Um, and I actually started to become a little bit less interested in the drinking and we can definitely get onto that as well. But during, during uni, the first couple of years, I actually found myself being really quiet in tutorials and without like uh, going too back, too far back into my school career, I was very outspoken at school, very politically aware, very confident in my opinions and my stats and my figures, and I would present them. Whereas at university, I suddenly became quite uh, kind of within myself, like almost kowtowed, my, kowtowed myself and held back. And it was strangely enough, it was when I started to get more confidence in my physique, I actually got a number of injuries at rugby, which meant I had to spend quite a lot of time rehabbing in the gym. Hmm. And I started to fall more in love with changing my body through my weight training than I did with 
playing rugby on a on a Saturday and training a Tuesday and a, a Thursday. I'm curious, why do you think you became more quiet? I know you mentioned that you weren't in halls and you weren't in the community and stuff. Do you think that was? I reason. think that was a large part of it. You didn't feel included. Um, and I still, and I had all my friends from school that had done the same as me and stayed at home for university. Right. Okay. And so I didn't feel that I was under pressure to make friends and make connections. And I regret that to some extent. I probably made five or six good friends that I'm still friends with at university, but there was an opportunity to do far more than that because Glasgow is a much bigger institution yeah. than that. And interestingly enough, when I found a bit more of a purpose in myself because my rugby wasn't going great. I wasn't, I, I was only playing for the second team or sometimes the, the third team who played in the second team league because we were a decent club. It wasn't going great and I was getting injured and I actually found a bit more of a purpose through improving my body and the routine that I started to build around that because anyone that's ever gotten into fitness realizes that a large amount of what actually takes your results is what you do for the hours outside of the hour that you spend in the gym each day mm. or however many days a week you're going. And I started to build a structure where I started to study a lot more because in my first couple of years, I almost just coasted because university in year one and two in Scotland is, is so easy because it doesn't count. You just need to get the grades to get to the next year to tick that box. Yeah. Whereas third and fourth year at Glasgow, you're working towards your degree class, degree classification, sorry, which of course you want a two one, a first or whatever the, the, the metric is that you're going by. And I found that by training at the same times every day, by having similar meals throughout the day, I started to slot in, God forbid, when you're studying at university, actual study time. So around my lectures, I would go to the library for an hour and a half, knowing that after that I would go and train or I would go home and then I would have my pre-workout meal and I would do two hours of decent work on my laptop for an upcoming essay and I would move on or I would actually read the books or the chapters before the tutorials, which I just wasn't doing my first two years. And I'm not sure why it is, but the structure that fitness gave me and the intention and the kind of way that my mind started to work where I was thinking, if I tick these boxes, then I'll be successful in my physique. And it started to work in university as well. And I started to improve my grades significantly. And I actually started to quite enjoy and I started to contribute in class again. But interestingly, a lot of that came from actually feeling physically confident in myself in terms of how I looked and how I felt as well, which is very shallow. But I would say one of the entry levels and the entry rungs for me becoming a more confident and outgoing person and assured person was that foundational belief in how I looked and how I felt about myself. Well, would you say there's two sides to it then? There was, you got the structure and processes involved in the gym. So you were able to carry that over to uni. But then also a side effect was you felt good. So you act yeah, they're certainly linked johnny they're certainly linked but if, if for example i'd found structure in something else who knows what it would be mm -hmm. another activity of some form that didn't have the physical rewards i think it would still have had an effect as you've just said there because i've started to find time for really structuring it i think back and wonder what on earth would i do now if i had that amount of time say my nine to five corporate career was not nine to five it was the hours that you do in uni yeah my goodness i would have so much time to do, do everything and anything well funny we had that wise heads when we were 18 19 yeah. 20 21 well i guess it's quite you've said you went to the gym you got more confident and we'll get into your instagram profile and cambros and the aesthetic nature of fitness but it wasn't just for appearance right it was you know all the studies that show fitness and everything releases endorphins makes you feel better it was both right it was it was massively both johnny and the physical change is just a small part of it 
I think at that point in university, particularly third year and fourth year, I'd probably train about half past five, six o'clock at night. So not that dissimilar to what I do now when my ideal day happens around a working day. And I knew that if I did a certain amount of work and went to these certain lectures, that that was what I would be looking forward to in the evening. And then I would have a bit of a buzz. And I found, and I still find, that when I come back from the gym, I feel quite creative afterwards because I'm quite hyped. So nowadays, I'll sometimes do some podcast work or I'll do some email list work or I can if I'm stretched in my corporate role I'll walk back on and I'll I'll feel that the kind of half hour hour that I do in the evenings which are beyond my stipulated hours can be very productive because of the hype that I'm feeling after lifting yeah so you're as we know you're passionate about fitness and everything that comes with that what's the difference between passion and obsession I think there's absolutely been times over the years where I have complete obsession with my fitness to the point that I would actually get quite stressed if the routine was really radically changed. I could always be relatively flexible where I knew that it mattered more what happened across a week than it happened across a day. However, there was absolutely times where that was pushed to the extreme. And I think I've told you this before, Johnny, where in my first role uh, out of university, my graduate job, Things could move quite quickly during a, a particular period of the year. During September in particular, we'd have quite a lot of sales events. And, and um, we, we'll, we'll put a pin in that and we'll come back yeah. to it, of course. But I felt that when things changed, and for example, I had planned to train legs on a Thursday after the event, and the event overran, I would become so visibly annoyed and frustrated and sharp with people around me and almost like... It would just ruin my ruin my day, which is absolutely terrible. Not how exercise should be, but sometimes with a personality type like mine, and I've done a few different personality tests over the years, I think that sometimes me having to go too far to then dial it back to find what is actually, and I hate the term, but what is a balanced approach mm. is great, and that's balanced for me, not balanced for anyone else because I don't consider myself to be. Um, yeah, it's the not same one size fits all. So how are you with it now? If you don't work out, do you find? Oh, so much better. So yeah. much better. Because um, I think after years and years and years of training as well, it would take so much for me to lose what I've got. And the only thing that I would be losing would be the endorphins on that day. And I can replace that with a walk. I can replace that with a conversation with friends. I can replace it with something that's what I would call equally beneficial. Whereas back then I maybe didn't understand that. I didn't have as good an idea, an understanding of the bigger picture when it came to both of my results, but also like how to manipulate your your state of mind as well. Mm. Because I think a big reason that many people fall into the gym and find a physical change so beneficial is because it creates like a state change in your head as well. And I think you see it with a lot of people who recover from like uh, challenges with their mental health they find solace and benefit in that time within the gym but they equally find solace in a walk in nature they equally find solace and support in a particular social setting that's quite wholesome depending yeah. on how they do it different focused energies it's funny you mentioned that i was having a friend uh, i was having a conversation with a friend and we were talking about just like addictions like not an extreme kind of sense of the words but everyone's addicted to something some and he, he was arguing you know like this is a guy who's definitely addicted to the gym addicted to women and he was like you know it could be worse could be heroin or something i'm like eh. so i think that and i can even think of myself where kind of like what you're saying when i got my iWatch, watch we've obviously discussed it before i became like i don't 
there's moments I don't enjoy exercise, I just do it to close my rings. As an interesting like insight into your views on it, and you you've kind of got over it, how would you help people? What would you say to people who were going through what you did, where it was becoming a bit more toxic and really defining their day for them yeah I, I was never diagnosed with anything because i didn't l look into it but i know friends yeah, I, I don't want the word like addiction to make us yeah. make it too much of a psychological thing a lot of people focus their i've, energy I've had on friends things. who were diagnosed with orthorexia though and that relates to sorry what is that orthorexia it's like control of particular things or that's what they explained it to me as and it mostly related to things like the training but also my fitness pal which has a massive impact on like the tracking of your food and it would be things like tracking everything to the exact gram now, for those that don't know, food labels have a legal leeway to be uh, inaccurate, sometimes mm. up, up to as much as 25%, which can be quite concerning. If you think that you're tracking something to the absolute gram, then that's not the case. And yeah. it would go to things like people tracking the cinnamon they were putting on top of the roots or tracking the sugar-free, zero-calorie syrup that they were adding to their coffee. They were tracking the amount of that, which, of course, would just be negligible or weighing out your berries or the sort of things that would start to get quite neurotic and i definitely have neurotic tendencies towards my personality and i think a lot of people who have actually seen real success with their physique to an extreme end have some of those personality traits that they can turn up and down to to to, to secure that success so i guess my advice to people that would maybe be struggling with that would be one if you do need go go for professional help because i'm, I'm not going to be holding myself as a, a professional yeah, no, advisor I, I, on that. I realize that when it's quite risky when you give advice in certain areas and if we have to give any disclaimers this is a disclaimer but just for someone who's had that and been through it it'd be interesting to yeah. hear what your process was um, understand the bigger picture so weeks months quarters rather than what happens within a day and understanding that there's so much more to life than maybe an extra vein in your bicep or an extra striation in your shoulder or an extra kilo that you lifted on your bench this week and that sounds a bit unfair when you are putting a lot of pressure on yourself to progress because a lot of people actually don't go far enough and don't strive for enough success mm. or sacrifice enough of the easy things in life but if social occasions come up where you might have to have that slice of cake at your at your 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 parents birthday or at your friend's birthday that is absolutely going to be what i would call worth it and i'm using inverted commas for those that are just watching or uh, just listening on audio um and weighing up the situations and understanding that certain things come before the improvements that you're looking to make to your physique and that i think i cannot hammer hard enough on the bigger picture um area of things because i previously before and i was i was always fairly good at this but for example now if my step count is ten thousand steps a day that's seventy thousand steps a week it doesn't matter if one day i'm on a train up and down to birmingham and guess guess what that's me been on train for 10 hours i've probably not done ten thousand steps i'll just do more the next day or i'll do more the the next three days to make up my so to make how up do my you feel at the end of a week if you don't make your seventy thousand i'd be disappointed in myself because you've got the chance to you've got the chance to control a greater period and that and control is a big part I was about of this to, so well so that's going back to that word kind of like control and you were talking about your friends who have like that total obsessive control and things so would you say you've got that like a little bit elements of it johnny 100 100 but i would i would absolutely say that that control part is one of the reasons that i actually get so much done on top of my nine five as well and i'm sure we'll get into like podcasting and creating and fitness and whatever else but there's elements that you can it can be a it can be a big positive for your output but it can be a negative for 
how you speak to yourself or how you uh, interact with others at, at, at for different example? times. Uh, your self-talk can be really negative if you don't get that done because I just said you there what would you happen if you didn't hit your weekly talk I'm pretty disappointed in myself yeah. and, and I would be disappointed in myself because I have there's a lot more scope to hit a weekly target than there is to hit a daily target there's a lot more scope to hit a monthly target than there is to hit a weekly target and there's a lot more scope to hit a quarterly target than there is to hit a monthly target and that for me I think I think give yourself some excuses and leeways and support and be courteous and kind to yourself but also be relatively harsh on yourself to actually do the things that you said you were going to do live an intentional life which is one of the things that i actually um recently spoke about with um nariel on my podcast where he was talking about being indistractable and following up on the things that you said that you were going to do and that is how you can create fulfillment and i definitely think that i've created a purposeful and fulfilling life to a large extent through following up on my intentions and the things that i want to do and some of those things are because i want to have control of what i'm doing nice i like that nice insight so we're talking a lot about fitness and i've yet to decide how the intro will go how am i going to introduce uh, and how am i going to introduce you on the introduction will it be corporate call Will it be crying call? We'll get into some of those email headlines soon. Yeah. Will it be Cambro, uh, the one member of Cambro? Um, on the fitness side of things, you've obviously spoken how you got into it, the sort of impact it's had on your life. Let's move over to now some people listening, especially in my age range, probably hate social. But please don't switch off at this point because social media is just a tool and it can be used for good. And I'm sure Colin will touch on that as Colin has created a following. It started off in fitness, um, Cambro, with his brother Ian. Shout out to Ian. I don't think he'd forgive us if we didn't give him one mention. Or he's going to charge me for mentioning his name. Who knows? But you guys started the page. Can you tell us a bit about exactly what that was, how that came about? Because yeah. it's clear you're passionate about fitness and that's this is an extension of it. Ian and I, so Ian's my younger brother, and we did a page on Instagram together in January 2017 called Cambros, Campbell Brothers. And at that point, the intention was just to create content around what we were doing because we were the guys that were going on holiday with six packs that our friends were asking us about. We were the guys that were in good shape from our year at school when previously we were just pretty pretty average i okay. said at university in my first couple of years i i definitely went to the gym but i didn't really look like i went to the gym whereas now i all of a sudden had six pack and and, and, and big arms and people oh what's what's he been up to yeah um so we started creating content and i i guess i haven't explained yet i started working in the insurance industry after university and in a politics degree you do an awful lot of writing and i actually quite enjoyed that part of things particularly towards those last couple of years when i started to get some structure and some purpose and fulfillment and for my first few years working in insurance, so between 2014 and 2017, you're very restricted in what you're writing. You're writing proposals for insurance policies. You're writing emails as follow-ups and meeting minutes to clients. Right. And that's all well and good, but it's not creative, is it? And I found that I wanted to start creating stuff again. So Ian and I started posting. We posted every single day on the grid. Um, for um, the um, what was it was it meals was it routines was everything it Johnny, everything right, everything yeah. we had a, we have a bit of a structure motivation monday training tuesday wide back wednesday white uh, or uh, throwback thursday flex friday right. food friday uh saturday would be a bit of a more personal post and sunday would be like a reflection or like a look ahead to the week ahead i love doing these things i learned things i didn't even know yeah and that was 
we had a real structure to it and I guess that links again into my personality but interestingly enough Ian didn't really massively enjoy it Ian's in very good shape as well but he felt a lot more pressure to stay particularly lean to get photos to write the content and uh, in November 2017 about 10 11 months in he decided to withdraw from it and it became Cam Bro. Mm -hmm. Um, because at that point I actually asked people in the story I think I could do story polls then I asked I'm going to call it call cam fit or should I change it to cam bro and overwhelming I think it was like 85 15 it was significant said we want it to be cam bro definitely because catch, the brand yeah. had been had been there whereas call cam fit is not quite the same as yeah. it I mean it might have been I could have grown that because the page has grown significantly since, since then but that's when I just kept kicking on I actually uh had that december the full month off work and i went on holiday twice to tenerife and i got loads of great content and i started posting twice a day and the page just kept growing and growing and growing i was doing a lot of travel with work at that point to different cities around the uk where some of my university customers were that i was servicing from an insurance perspective and i was collabing with lots of different people and i was reaching their network and instagram at that point was a lot easier to grow yeah. so if i ended up on somebody's page i probably got like 15 20 30 followers just from them putting up a photo with me with them um and then they'd come across and they'd see that i'd had like 300 odd posts and be like wow this guy's posting lots of fitness related stuff yeah. and the page grew really really quickly johnny and i just really enjoyed the creative aspect of it and also the networking aspect some of my my closest friends now I met during the initial couple of years of doing Cambro through through fitness. Yeah, so they're mostly in the fitness space. Well, they were either into fitness and had a fitnessy page or they're fitness coaches. Um, some are like me with a job alongside it and they don't really want to work as a, a personal trainer or, 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 or purely a coach, but, but most of them are, are, are a mix between the two. So what would you say the page and your content has developed into now? It's a lot more self-development based now and that can be quite wanky, can't it? To say, oh, my page is a self-development page. But a lot of it now is is a lot more about mindset, habits and routines away from fitness as well. I'll share a lot of the stuff that I do to try and reach peak performance within my work. And I probably talk more about being an office athlete now rather than just an athlete who's really lean with, a, with, with good abs. I probably show more about what I'm up to that's benefiting me financially in my career financially from my investments mindset wise in terms of like the different habits and routines that i have to support me away from just how i look and how i train and what i eat which is still a percentage of what i do because that's what the page is built on and that's what people have signed up for yeah although actually i never really check these things until recently somebody asked me oh you're almost at fifteen thousand followers and i thought all oh, right okay I, I hadn't really kept an eye on it because the, the growth slowed tremendously as instagram got a little yeah, more difficult algorithm changes and, and as i got more interested in pushing people to listen to the podcast on that instagram probably doesn't like that and i, I accept that but i had a look at my stats a couple of weeks in a row and i probably gain about 200 followers a week but i probably lose almost exactly the same and my thought process is and i discussed this with my friend when we went for a sauna the other day i think a lot of people just the way the algorithm works a lot of people who are the 200 that are leaving are maybe people that discovered me quite early on mm. and i've somehow shown up in their feed again after all this time and i'm not posting about what's the best pill workout or what's the best pre-workout uh, drink or what's the best post-workout snack for you to have and they're like, oh, what's he talking about uh, his morning routine for? Or what's he talking about a podcast with a, an author of a book for? We didn't sign up for that. We signed up for the guy with the six pack that told us how to get a six pack as well. Well, it's funny. You think the way 
the world has changed kind of knowledge in the space of chain has changed again i'm in my own bubble the algorithm just shows me the stuff it thinks i want to see but you'd think people would realize by now the fitness aspect is only one part of it because a lot of fitness guys nowadays do talk about the mindset the habits and as going way back to us starting this podcast like habits were a key thing that you picked up in the gym so it's a shame to hear that people aren't interested in that side of things. I'm not sure. That's that's no, just right, my I, theory. I realize it's that's just my theory. Um, I'm just thinking out loud, and I think that's sometimes a good way to come to conclusions when you just throw ideas back and forth. Yeah. Obviously, in today's day and age, that can be a bit dangerous if you if you're not too precise with your yeah. words, you can get yourself in trouble. But I think sometimes just throwing ideas out there and thinking, oh well, it might be because of this, but equally, it could be completely unknown reason, and we do not have the data to make that analysis. No, no, of course, because um, you're not doing it fantastically you're not doing it for the growth you're not fishing for followers so you're not tracking the data i was obsessed with getting to 10k really do you remember up until recently you had to have 10k for the swipe up yeah and once it started to grow to like five six seven and i started to get approached by different brands a lot of which i didn't actually want to work with so i said no i kind of set my sights on working with ones that i really bought from and always wanted to work with which was primarily my protein and muscle food and you get some cool golf stuff from somewhere every now and again don't yeah you? i got yeah, some great yeah, golf yeah. stuff from slaters which is a they uh, don't sponsor the podcast yeah they don't but they, they should, should but then i well then i'd make that choice and it would look uh, very self-interested unfortunately <laughs> I'll, re- I'll write a letter to susan <laughs> yeah yeah it will go to me and i'll have to make the call yeah maybe the name change we could get away with it now i think so yeah maybe yeah less discrimination less less whittling down your market uh sorry so you got approached by brands I was getting approached by brands when it was at like five, six, seven, and it was brands I didn't want to work with. And I quickly realized that the people that were working with the brands that I wanted to work with all had 10K plus and had to swipe up in their story to direct people where the brands wanted them to go. And at that point, I don't think I was selling out by any means because I was actually saying no to a lot of people, but I became quite determined that I probably need to hit this particular figure to actually work with the people that I would want to work with and give value to the followers with something that I would actually want to recommend rather than like a random tub of whey protein from a company I've never heard of. I don't really know the efficacy of the uh, product and I don't really like the taste of it. Whereas what about the whey protein that I've been buying for eight years and I put my oats every single day, I'd probably be a lot happier to push that and share a discount code from it that adds further value to the followers because they save money on it. Yeah. Uh, So getting to 10 was a big thing for me and that happened in late 2018 so for me to have grown by like 5,000 since that time is really really slow considering it took me like less than two years to get to 10 but I think that says a lot about where the platform has been but yeah, also yeah, where, where my content's gone as well yeah I think you're right though about the because we obviously do the social media thing for those listening who don't know Facebook and Instagram move a lot more to a paid model so if you have been posting and you used to get a lot of likes from your friends your family your mother your brothers your sisters and you notice that's gone down it's because You're Zuckerberg is trying to squeeze money out of you so that's not good for individuals it's not great for content creators not great for businesses and that's probably where the impacts come from yeah and I'm comfortable with that now because I'm once you hit that particular metric I pretty much have my pick of relative brands that i wanted to work with in that space so muscle food my protein i do some stuff with a a gym pass brand called hustle which is great and again it links into my whole office athlete thing because when i travel around cities i get access to all these different gyms using the day passes from that website so one it covers one of my costs but it's actually a valuable resource that i share with people to explain 
how I do what I do in terms yeah. of maintaining what I managed to build in terms of a physique and a, a, a set of habits. But also, if I can pass on a discount for that as well, it's, it's pretty beneficial, isn't it? It's, it? It adds value beyond the fact that you're just associated with it. Yeah, no, you you get me uh, my, I think it's 5 or 10% discount from my weekly muscle food delivery. Yeah, so uh, and it has its point. Yeah, exactly that. And But if that had been another brand and I didn't have 10,000 followers, I probably would have said no because I hadn't used them, whereas I'd used muscle food for years. Mm. And the deal was positive for me but also for the people that i was sharing it with because you can share it carefree and relaxed in the knowledge that you're pushing a product that actually is valuable and you have a lot of years of experience using yourself so i'm trying to decide what what direction i want to take this now because you've mentioned office athlete which i know is a key part of how you've started defining yourself but also that was a great great segue into being an influencer who believes in the products he's pushing because as i work in marketing we've obviously worked together with slaters we did a men's mental health piece because i care about content that actually provides value um now you've worked with a lot of influencers especially in the fitness space who are more than happy to plug brands and after the rangers result you're probably feeling ranty so yeah you know what it could be fun to go down the direction of inf i know you hate the term influencer you don't clash i've become a lot more comfortable with it johnny because that is quite simply what the it falls into a micro influencing bracket and that's just plain and simple um equally this the deal that i've got with muscle food is influencer team okay i'm on the my protein influencer team you just have to accept it if the shoe fits fucking wear it yeah but you're okay so you're one of the good ones which is good and i'm not saying that bias he only works with brands that he likes but you've seen some horror stories uh can you just because people these days whether you're good or bad or genuine or not most people's instant belief is that influencers we are can have a bit of a back trying to push on yeah, so yeah i'll tell you people I'll trying to push products i'll tell you a few different things so yeah. One of my pet hates for starters, and this is not somewhere we need to go for too long, is people sharing competitor brands back to back. So if I share my protein, best believe I'm not going to do a deal with Bulk Powders or Women's Best or Slimming World or whatever other product you want to push. That is what I would call a conflict of interest. And in almost any other industry, in any other space, apart from online influencing, you just wouldn't do it. Like, it's just not ethical for you to recommend two products back to back. I'm going to caveat that and explain one of the things that I've done. My protein is a tremendous brand and it has a huge array of products. However, for a particular need of mine when it comes to vitamin supplementation, I went and found a different brand deal for things that I buy from my vitamin D and my omega-3 because the dosages for the my protein one was too general for my requirements and for quite a lot of the population. Okay. So that could sound hypocritical, but for my protein, I recommend pretty much the full range, whatever you fancy, go and get it. But I've said publicly on my page, or on my email list, on my podcast, that I buy my vitamins from another company for my vitamin D and my omega-3. And the reason I've done that is for the dosages. I think a lot of people don't consider things like that. And instead they post back to back, oh, this amazing new tracksuit or, or pair of leggings from such and such. And then best believe the next day it's sitting side by side with a competitor brand saying that all oh, these are the best leggings I've ever worn or the best gym vest that I've ever worn. It's just nonsense. Yeah. 
hate it. Really You've been burnt with that as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can find the industry is quite mercenary. Mercenarial is that a word? We'll go with it. They're kind of mercenaries. You know, they'll. We, you know, I've had people reach out to us, and I usually say no because I go on their page and I look at what they do. But you see, okay, so I work in menswear for those who don't know, and you know, you'll see these people doing like Next, M and S, River Island, Top Man, and stuff, and it just has no value. And I just don't understand that. And these people have become billboards and all that. And I think that's maybe why my opinion of the influencer industry isn't so good. But that's why it's interesting always hearing your insight because well, you're uh, within it and you experience it I as can, a good guy. Yeah, good I can guy. share another couple as well. So one of the other things that I've actually ended up in a bit of an argument about was somebody who was receiving their gifted product as part of their deal with one of the brands that we both work with. And they got in trouble with the brand for putting the clothing onto Depop. Now you've received that clothing for free and you're now trying to profit from it financially by selling it on Depop. And I assume they plugged it. Yeah, on their story. So they were like, I love this stuff. It's great in the next day. Yeah, so your marketing manager at this particular brand will follow you on your stories and check up on you and sometimes ask for your insights and stuff like that. Hmm. And if you get sent a, a care package or your monthly package and you're asked to show off some of the stuff that you've got and then it ends up the next day on the same story, on the same profile saying, oh, guys, swipe up for my Depop. I'm selling X, Y, and Z. That is morally bankrupt. And I had a bit of an argument at a kind of team dinner thing that we had where I said, no, that's just not acceptable. Yeah. Like, how can you think that that is the right thing to do? And the person was quite offended and they didn't see it the same way as me. But equally, if if we changed it round and we said, for example, that you were like a, a, a car dealer and you gifted somebody a car and they sold it the like the next day, it just it wouldn't make any sense. Like, but you're just doing it on a much smaller scale with gym clothing, which has a fraction of the cost. Yeah, or even if they did it slyly, like even if they sold it slyly instead of you know being like go on my Depop buying stuff, it's like it was shameless almost. I think the slight thing would be just as bad, Johnny. I'm just not saying, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, both are wrong, but it's like the shamelessness of advertising it in the next day. Sometimes I get sent too much stuff and some stuff I won't have worn and I'll just say to different friends, like, are, are you a medium in that top? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I'll send you it. Like, just, or you can get it from mine or I'll give it to you next time we go to the gym. Like, that's how you do things. You just distribute it to your friends you don't Why try you and profit from it anything i know we're different sizes it's fine i accept it i accept i've it. got some shorts i can give you johnny there that's kind of you that's good right for the viewers they know the great thing about podcasts is it doesn't let people know my height but now it's out there yes short damn right so i do want to move on to the office athlete side of things because i know you're kind of thinking of a program on that but that's not really what i want to focus on right now what is interesting about you is that you have that influencer side hustle if we is that how you'd kind of refer to it because it is a big part of your life you love the creative I call it projects. Of it. okay so the influencer kind of project and the projects of the people you work with but you have a full job you monday to friday nine to five you recently moved industries so can you just talk to me your view on the office athlete what that means to you and kind of your just your lifestyle yeah i think in order for me to perform my best within my corporate career which is as in business development, working in the furniture industry, supplying specifically into student accommodation with clients across the UK, for me to perform my best in what is effectively a sales and account management role, 
I actually need to feel my best from a physical perspective and a mental perspective. And all the different things that I do with my training, my nutrition, my sleep, my hydration, my supplementation, which we've just spoken about, <laughs> it all needs to be on point for me to turn up to work and be enthusiastic, focused, diligent, polite, whatever great terms you can throw around about what you want from a salesperson or an employee. For me to be performing at my peak, I have to tick these other boxes. And so I look at chasing peak performance in both areas not at the detriment of the other, but in mutual benefit for them to come together and for me to be able to pursue my best version. Yeah, so it's quite interesting talking about your career because I think something a lot of people will relate to is when you worked in insurance, um, within Scotland, and again, that'll be relatable for anyone in Scotland, it's quite a small market. There's only so much anything can go. So you did start to get restless and... Uh, were you 28 at the time? You changed mm. industries and obviously sales is a, a transferable skill set. But can you kind of talk through what yeah, you went can. through there and the move itself and how that's been for you? Yeah, of course, Johnny. I, th I think to give a bit of backdrop, I worked for four years after university in the insurance industry, but specifically that insurance was related to student accommodation. So I had an understanding of that market mm. as well as a particular product and service that was going into the market, insurance. At that point, four years, four years in, I got a bit itchy feet in that space because I wanted to grow. I wanted to be involved in bigger deals and more revenue, which means, of course, I'd be a more valuable asset. So I moved into a more corporate role within the insurance industry at a big insurance broker called Marsh. In fact, it's actually the world's biggest insurance broker. And that was a great company to be at because you got incredible sales training, incredible support. But I came in as a bit of a young talent in that space. And I didn't feel massively young. I was 26. I didn't feel like a massive young talent. I felt like I was quite developed. I had a lot to learn, mm. but I felt like I was ready to really contribute. But in the insurance industry, it can be quite middle-aged, and quite slow and quite laborious and you have to serve your apprenticeship son and work your way up and i was willing to work my way up but not at the pace that they were willing for me to work my way up and i came in as the kind of young exciting talent as the fourth in a four-man team that were doing business development and for those that have worked in sales roles you'll know that we all have a prospect list and a, a list of companies that you can go after as a b2b salesperson and speak to and being the fourth in the four-man team i had the smaller companies the harder ones to crack the ones that weren't as interested in working with us to kind of cut my teeth on and that was great because you were learning really quickly but you expect that to change when you start to show what you're good at and we can get onto the things like the videos and the, yeah. the different presentation tricks that I did and the ways that I improved my prospecting my present and my presenting skills however it wasn't moving quickly at all Johnny so at that point I was ticking along and kind of chipping away at the rock trying to build this beautiful statue but it felt like it was going quite slowly and at that point one of my friends who I'd worked with as a, a really close colleague during my four years in the previous role had moved industry into the furniture space and the big boss of that furn uh, furniture company was actually my first boss when I was in insurance leaving university and they were recruiting for a position to do the same as what my friend was doing in the south of the UK in the north of the UK so the north of the UK obviously applies to me up here in Scotland and things moved super quick I 
got to have conversations about where that team was going, what was happening, what the industry was like. And it was really interesting because a lot of the different people that I would been dealing with and I do deal with now were the same people I was arranging insurance for and student accommodation as before. It just so happens I was bringing a different product and service into that space. Furniture is a much faster industry as well. And insurance, my conversations with a prospect could last between six to eight months sometimes before even getting an opportunity to quote because there's only one potential renewal date each year. Whereas in furniture, there is a peak period when student accommodation replaces their furniture, July to September. But outside of that, they have requirements year round for different things. You have different projects to work on, design proposals, as well as the actual core furniture installation. And it's a much more exciting and fast paced industry part of. And I got to look under the hood and understand what was happening in that space before I came across and made the move. And I've not regretted it one bit. We're about eight months in now at the time of recording. And it's been it's been great. Um, I felt progression in terms of my own career but also progression in terms of my ability to positively impact the company as well and have a real positive impact on the team and the people around me I've done some training on some of the stuff that I learned in the insurance industry and brought across a level of professionalism that is not as typical in the industry that I'm in just now but wow it's been a great um great eight months Johnny well before you made the move industry change you know I knew you when you worked it in insurance and you thought even though before this opportunity came up, you thought even before it was slow, you were like, oh, I can see it going somewhere when certain people retire and stuff. So everyone, when they move jobs, always has that voice in the back of their head holding them back. What was like your thoughts there? Was there fears? Was there concerns? How long did it make you to take a decision? What was the deciding factors um, that you were like, fuck it just gotta yeah go these it. are really good questions because you i'm not somebody that makes snap decisions I, i'm not what you would call a bringer i think that's a scottish term do you know the term no i don't bringe. so like if you bringe in you do something like quite thoughtlessly and quite quickly that sounds like one of us yeah yeah well, okay, what are the okay, look in your face okay, occasionally that's you johnny you're impulsive yeah um, oh, the, i hope the camera's but, in his face for that moment because <laughs> i don't know if that was like a look of judgment oh no johnny or I love a, a look of despair i both. enjoy so much about your behavior so it's good <laughs> and uh i think when it comes to that decision making process for me it was a case of the research and reassurance about what i was going towards so being on a zoom call with my potential future colleagues and looking at their pipeline their product their service who's the customer base what are we selling what's this year been like what are your plans for next year what are your forecasts what are the operational sides what's your ability to deliver this and the company that i joined david phillips was a bit of a sleeping giant in the student space it had a lot of power and muscle but it, it hadn't been speaking to people and having enough conversations and moving things forward, which is pretty much what my skill set is as a business development person to open the door, have the conversation and then project manage a potential opportunity through to an order. Okay. And I recognize that straight away that this company needs prospecting. It needs the ability to open doors, have conversations, and I can add value in that space. So the decision-making process was probably three or four zoom calls with my future colleagues looking at different data and they were really selling the opportunity to me because they'd worked with me before and they knew what i could potentially bring well because the guy you used to work with was there yeah the guy i used to work with and the big, big boss force. and the big boss yeah. was my manager when i first graduated from uni for yeah. four years and he knew exactly what i was like and he knew what he would be getting and he knew what it required as well because he'd made the same move from insurance into that so i was okay. quite reassured that these two people had done the same thing 
and past performance is not always an indicator of future performance but it can be a reassurance can't it because you can look at what somebody else's roadmap has been and try to follow that path um, from that perspective one of the things that would have kept me in insurance was my ego because i'd worked there for seven years i'd worked my way up to the biggest insurance broker in the world i was deemed a a talent and a, a future leader within that space but you can only have that carrot dangled for you for so long before you think you know what probably want to make a move here into something that's going to be a bit quicker and i'm an extremely patient person i love delayed delayed gratification from mm. the gym from the podcast that i do which is seeing much more growth now than it did of course in its early weeks because you lay the foundations mm -hmm. and it starts to compound as as in other investments do but sometimes you do need to make the move and bite the bullet on something that you don't feel is going to serve you in the longer term and i felt that quite quickly this move makes a lot of sense for me to make and i just need to do it i had a three-month notice period though which was hard to sit in the naughty step for that period well so when you handed in your notice did they give you the whole spiel of no you mean so much does kind of like what you said your own ego had told you you'd been there you'd put investment in were they laying it on thick on that side of yeah things? they were um because they were very very good to me however actions speak louder than words and i still wasn't getting to work on some of the bigger prospects that excited me even though i got the door open with kind of ingenuitive behaviors like the videos and i'm i keep promising we're going yeah, to talk about well that. we'll just cover what that is colin was very forward I, this this isn't my story to tell colin if you just want to give a brief overview of what the linkedin videos were yeah i, I used to do a mixture of linkedin and zoom videos where i would look at a prospect let's say for example um let's say slater's Okay, so let's say I was prospecting Slaters. I'd look at their accounts, their website, their competitors. I would do an analysis of what the different risks and challenges and threats that were facing that um, particular business in that particular industry. And then I would have a slide that was about um, like our solutions as, as, as Marsh as the insurance broker. And I would build a short presentation. I'd open up, I'd say, Hi Johnny, my name's Colin Campbell. I work for a business called Marsh. Reason for today's video is I want to take the opportunity to give you a two or three minute discussion of what I know about your business from the research that I've done, as well as some of the solutions that I think I can bring forward to support a retailer like you. And at the end of this, I'm going to make you an offer. They watch the video and at the end, the offer is, would you like to have a 30 minute Zoom call with me? I can explore some of the topics we've spoken about and I can share best practice for what we do for other retailers, such as X, Y, and Z. So it's showing the respect and understanding of that business and then it's making them an offer and doing some social proof about who you've actually helped before as well. So there you go. Anyone who is in sales or trying to make connections with people on LinkedIn, send a video of yourself, be honest, authentic and upfront and don't just send a random connection request basically because yeah. that small, that wasn't a lot of effort, was it? It's just that 1% above so everyone else. You know what's else. funny, Johnny? Um, I've got friends that are doing it and Ian sometimes does it now as well and it takes him a lot more takes because I do the stuff like this. Yeah. I actually find that quite easy but my goodness, the first time I recorded a really corporate -y, down the lens video talking about insurance and what I knew about uh, a business, it took a few takes. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. But like, it's, it's a great, to nail it's, first it's thing. relatively low effort and people understand how difficult that is to speak to the camera, to present. So my goodness, it, it it got me a lot of brownie points and it opened the door to some businesses that would never reply to an email or I could have played telephone tennis with his secretary for forever because she was never letting me through yeah. to speak to him. But if I sent a video to his email address or to his LinkedIn, he'd be like, right, this guy actually really wants to speak to me and here's why he wants to speak to me. And it's in a format where our, 
our very hard to focus attention low brains nowadays can actually consume because it's a video but it's so personal as well they get to see you they get to hear your voice see your mannerisms i do it, it for podcasts well, I, I don't know if i don't know if i told you that but i do that to get guests on the podcast sometimes as well oh i didn't know that. i'll do a video and i'll say hi johnny uh been a big fan of your content for a long period of time in particular i enjoyed x y and z or your episode with such and such i host a podcast as well called Canberra conversations it is a top two percent in the uk podcast with x number of thousand downloads and previous guests that you might know include would you like to come on in february please drop me your email if you're interested and we can arrange nice effective easy personal to touch point. again though and it shows that if they come on you're actually able to speak as well because you might just get an invite from some random that wants to speak to you in the podcast and they can immediately click through to your linkedin profile and get a feel for who you are yeah great segue there though thank you for making this so easy colin why did you start your podcast i had been a guest on podcasts mostly talking about being the office athlete and doing both and lots of travel and how i managed that and how i built this physique that i kept in very lean shape year round because that's kind of what i'm known for i'm not known for being this massive guy but i'm known for having a decent amount of muscle and always being pretty diced up and so at the start of 2019 i probably did six guest appearances in the first kind of six seven months and after each one of course i'm sharing them in my story and i'm getting replies from people that follow me being like oh why don't like do you not have your own podcast like you keep going on these ones being a guest like that was really good i really enjoyed listening to you that was really interesting and i kept saying after each one you know what i love the format i can add so much more value in an hour conversation as a guest myself but also with another person uh, than i can through seven instagram posts 10 instagram posts 20 instagram posts probably and that can be triggering for some people that think instagram is the be all the end ball or, yeah. or tiktok or something like that but i think an hour long conversation or sometimes longer or sometimes just a little bit shorter can be of tremendous value to people um and i love the format but and this is something that i learned very quickly our brains release the same amount of dopamine when you tell somebody that you're going to go and do something than when you actually do it sometimes we're anticipatory anticipatory beings we anticipate and we get pleasure from the anticipation so i was thinking and i told lots of people not lots maybe like 10 15 people that were close to me i'm going to do a podcast it's going to be called Canberra conversations i'm going to start it soon it's going to be weekly interviews with people in like fitness and business and talk about mindset and i didn't do it I, until the lockdown march 2020 july 2019 i bought a new macbook i bought a mic i wrote the outline and the agenda for 10 guests i would want to have on that i had in my network that i knew i could get because i knew don't start a podcast if you can't follow through but i never even started because i was telling people i'm going to do this and my friend bryce told me about this as well we were speaking about the fact that i wanted to do this podcast and I told him, I was like, I keep procrastinating on no Bryce. And he was like, I do the same with property deals. He works in the property space and he does the same or he did the same where he'd be like, oh, I'm looking at this property. I've done the maths on the spreadsheet. I've done the, the numbers. I know what the yield would be. And then he would show it to his kind of property friends and that would be enough for him. And it was the exact same for me. I was telling people, I'm going to do this podcast. And they'd be like, your podcast would be great, Colin. Your guest appearance on Nathan's podcast was so good. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it will be. And then I wouldn't do anything. It was yeah. shocking. And it took me until March 2020, us to be locked inside for me to record 
five episodes and then I launched on the 1st of April uh, 2020. And there was a great episode six from what I recall. I think you're episode 17, Johnny. Am I episode 17? Damn. Right, well, because <laughs> when did we do it? Would it be May 2020. Was it May? I right, released okay. 20 episodes the first 10 weeks, two a week. I just went for it because we were all walked inside apart from me and you. <laughs> Maybe is it Chris that was number six? Chris Williamson's episode one. No, Chris Reeve. Episode four? Is the episode four? Okay. Because you heard that and that's how well, you guys got connected. Well, the reason I'm coming down this is Colin, again, Colin is a very good networker, very good at getting in touch with people and one of Colin's tricks, not tricks, that makes it sound like sinister, one of like Colin's habits is if he sees an article or a podcast or something that he thinks will be of interest to someone, he'll send it over, whether that's a connection on LinkedIn, a friend. And when we first started speaking, you were like, oh, by the way, you work in marketing. Here's a great podcast. I interviewed this guy, Chris Reeve, and it was great. And obviously now Chris is someone I've brought on as a partner and Chris has introduced me to people for business. So just showing that network effect. Social and media can podcast. be so positive because of that though. Yeah. And it's how you use it. And that you and I in that situation, of course, there's times when we're unintentional and we're scrolling, consuming, but we were very intentional there. Like I saw something and I thought, Johnny, you should see this. You said like back when I was working in insurance, you would sometimes send me something like, Colin, what's happening here? Like I've seen this about yeah. payouts for businesses shut during the lockdown. How does that work? And you were just interested and when you share something that's not just a meme, which of course is a place for, and I know you've you've shared many good memes with me, Johnny. You get a lot of good gifts from me. Yeah. Homemade, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> However, using your network positively and introductions like you to Chris Reeve, you to, um, I'm trying to think who else I've introduced you, Chris Burns as well, uh, for, for, for copywriting yeah, as well, yeah. uh, The Savage Scholar. And wow, there's so much that you can gain from introducing people of value to each other mm. because well yeah i understand what you mean by value i don't want it to make it doesn't have to be a mutually beneficial thing but it's good to just nice to introduce people yeah yeah well. exactly yeah. And, and and everyone wins out the back of it and you wouldn't recommend somebody you didn't actually think was legit you know yeah well actually i recommended that you use this podcast studio because the benefit that i got from it was tremendous and i knew that you would do the same particularly as you started to start up the the, the story club again and if you give us a sincere recommendation, obviously you put your reputation at risk to some extent, yeah. don't you? Um, it's the same as like you recommend somebody a film or you recommend somebody somewhere to eat and they go and they don't like it and you're like, oh shit. But when you have confidence in something and you recommend something, I think it has tremendous value to it. And on that note, I'm just there looking over at the man himself who runs the podcast studio. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Uh, it's a great studio. We'll give a wee shout out. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's the green, it's the green room. Yeah, mate. Yeah, the green room in Glasgow, podcast studio, three cameras, three microphones, and probably, no, four microphones? Five microphones. Beautiful yeah, setup. Yeah, like it's a beautiful setup. For those who are just listening on Instagram, sorry that you're having to deal with us talking about visual things. I know how annoying it is. And for those who are watching, um, where will I put the long form? YouTube, Facebook, potentially. Um, it's just a beautiful setup with couches, chairs. Wow, this is like my first ad, but it's not like an intentional ad. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're right, it's... That network effect of just connecting the right people and everyone succeeds from it. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's a lot of value to it because it makes you somebody that people trust as well because you only make recommendations based on things that you've done before. And that links into what I do with um, the Instagram partnerships that I've got as well because I wouldn't affiliate with people that I didn't really believe in. Yeah. Well, so I actually want to circle back because you've told me 
So I asked why you started the podcast. Is it because people said to you it'd be good and you were like, you know what? I think they're right. Is that it's a lot more, more of it? my skill set wise? So I can write quite well and we can talk about my email list as well. And I, I love writing emails and I love writing captions on Instagram. But I also speak every day and work on Zoom meetings. I speak in actual meetings. I do presentations. So my skill set to communicate quite clearly to a large extent, and hopefully I've managed to do that during this discussion, is where I think I can add some value to the audience. And I What's ask, the top piece of value you would give anyone listening right now? Right now? Yeah, if you, if there was, if you had someone wanting to use you as a mentor, someone was like, Colin, what's your key piece of advice for any human... <sighs> I think as much as possible, do what you say you're going to do. And I think I said that at the start when I was talking about control, but one of the greatest ways that we can find fulfillment in life is doing the things that we say we're going to do. And I never feel worse than when I write things down on a to-do list and I don't complete them because I've done something that's non-intentional. Now, by that, I mean things like if, for example, I end up in an Instagram black hole and I've got nothing on my to-do list and it, I've actually got time to sit and do that, I feel fine about it and I don't feel any any guilt or remorse but when I for example I say go for a walk with mum or uh, email this particular podcast guest or call Johnny and I procrastinate on that or I delay on that and it could be things much that are much more difficult than mm -hmm. that it might be clean the bathroom it might be uh edit that podcast episode or, or it might work, be like reach out to yeah, 10 yeah, prospects exactly whatever, exactly yeah. When you do these things and you tick these things off, you are voting for yourself to be a valuable person and a person of note that you can be proud of yourself. And if you can make yourself proud, then that has an impact on everyone around you as well. So being intentional, doing the things you say you were going to do and setting a high standard for yourself would be the entry point for living a fulfilled life. And I think nowadays where we all want to live a fulfilled life, but sometimes don't, and we sometimes feel high levels of distraction or high levels of purpose, purposelessness or listlessness through the kind of great corporate machine that we can be part of. I think there's tremendous value in that. Well, so that sounds like a beautiful end goal and position to be in. But for someone who's maybe starting on their journey on, ah, okay. on, on making new, I guess we're filming this in January, making New Year's resolutions, maybe people who want to be there but they're facing barriers, whether that's procrastination, whether it's excuses, what do you recommend to them to get to a point? Right, so you need to change your behaviours then, don't you? Because I, if we're holding that up as the outcome-based goal, living this purposeful life, you need to change the processes that you do to get to there. So that could be things like, if I'm leading a purposeful life, it might be that I need to reduce the amount of time that I'm consuming content and spend more time doing the things on my to-do list that aren't distractions without the will to act what can people do what's an incremental step incremental thing oh, i guess you need to start <laughs> start at the entry level and things like introduce uh intermittent fasting for your phone so have a particular time when you're on your phone and i i, I appreciate i'm being very harsh on digital here so I'll, I'll move away from that if it's something like an enter exercise habit to like improve yourself from a physical perspective. And one of my big things for leading a purposeful life is making a physical change and having an element of control and security over that would be things like go for a walk first thing in the morning. Go and vote for you being a person that does things that aren't always pleasant and ideal because in January, in February, it's pretty cold, it's pretty wet. 
it's not always lovely in 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 Glasgow or or or, or the wider UK. And by you going and doing that, you set yourself up for having a day which is purposeful and positive. You've had some movement. You've maybe listened to a, a, a positive podcast or music you really like. And you've set yourself up to have a really good day. And I think that's like an entry level. And like if you strip it back even further, you've got that kind of famous Jordan Petersonism, don't you, where he says, make your bed. So you're starting off the day with a vote for a positive action mm. and that you're governing that own area of your life and you're going out there and doing things that are positive steps forward and it might be you come back from your walk and rather than logging on your work laptop you watch 20 minutes of tiktok and that's not ideal we can work on that yeah but at least before you got up in bed you didn't snooze your alarm you made your bed you got out the door you went outside you listened to something that was positive and motivational you didn't immediately check twitter and see that people are arguing about vaccines and covid and whatever else is going on in the world at that moment in time this is hitting me where it hurts yeah i know like i've got very toxic social media habits it's pretty bad and i spend way too long going down rabbit holes on twitter and i know and i'm aware of it but say, say i make it sound like i'm asking these questions for my audience but really i'm like colin what can i do well, like, well so one of your favorite books and one you recommend quite often is atomic habits yes so and I've ordered it. Unfortunately, it's kind of like sitting there. And yes, I know a small habit I could make is just read 10 pages a day. Yeah. Because then within, you know, 20 days, you'll have read 200, which is on average most books, etc. How much of an impact did that book have in your life? Yeah, massive. I actually read it twice. Um, the first time I read it, it had a great benefit because it helped me to understand where my behavior changes were shaped. So, for example, we're talking there, but you reading more. One of the ways to do that is to make it more easy and reduce the friction around that. So it might be things like time blocking in your diary, a time when you read. So you get a notification on your phone that says, Johnny, it's time to read. Put your phone away. <laughs> and then when you go to your bed at night, that might be the time that you choose. That's the time a lot of people choose. You're book is sitting on your pillow so that in order for you to pull your cover back and get in your book sat there so it doesn't go away in your bedside drawer outside out of mind is a big thing isn't yeah. it so the first time i read it i i learned a lot about why for example me leaving my pint glass of water and my supplements out in the kitchen first last night before we go to bed meant that i would always drink my water and hydrate and take my supplements before i um start my day in in, in the morning that helped me to understand that the second time I read it was actually during the, uh, the the first lockdown period where I needed some reinforcement that the lifestyle that I was leading that was quite structured and routined was actually a positive because I felt that sometimes I could be a little bit robotic and I have built in more flexibility now, but I needed some reassurance that some of the habits that I had, even the bad ones that I was trying to eradicate, that there was an understanding of why they were there and mm. what purpose they served. Um, and I do think sometimes when you read a book at a different period in your life, when your mindset's in a different place, you can benefit from it. I've said this before in a podcast when I spoke to Dr. Yusuf Smith, who's a really uh, clever chap. I said to him that I read The Power of Now by Eggart Tolley. Yeah. I hope I've said his second name right, but we'll see. People will be shouting down the rear pods I've not. But I read that when I was at university and it meant nothing to me. I was like, what is this guy talking about? The present and being mindful. I can't understand this. But I was 20 years old, 20 yeah, years old, yeah. going out on a Thursday and a Saturday night and lifting weights and going to 
four lectures a week and two tutorials. Wasn't exactly. Yeah, it wasn't what I needed. I didn't need to be present because I just felt like I was living life. Whereas I think when you're in the kind of the monotonous cycle of working five days a week, training five nights a week after work, and then watching the football and playing golf and whatever else on the weekend, that that ability to be present during those long stretches of time where you're doing relatively similar stuff is is a lot more beneficial. So reading that book at a different time would have a, a much bigger effect. Yeah. Talking about the growth of Colin Campbell, um, you started your email list. We can touch on quickly. You basically started that because, as we spoke about before, the platforms were squeezing reach. You wanted to have your audience direct contact with them and you know what? I love that you make it your actual personal email it comes from because you know it doesn't come from some shell company where people can't if people want to talk to you about the email you sent they can and you're they there to reply, communicate yeah. with them I get some really funny replies sometimes you know that yeah I did actually yeah I wonder what you're referring to so I do want to talk about your most recent headline which was crying call now I'm not proud of this but you know classic toxic masculinity of my generation or whatever not a crier can't remember the last time i cried I'm, it's not something that comes naturally to me after years of repressing and pushing down my feelings can you just talk me through that experience because not only did you share that you know you cried in bed and stuff well sorry not only did the experience happen but you decided to share it which yeah. is quite tough so, so why does it happen so f- why f- did you first, first things first i think nowadays there is some extremes with this there's that extreme camp where at the moment you've repressed for a long period of time that you i'm johnny and as part of my identity i don't cry and that's a position that you can potentially work on if you choose to sure you also have this position where we have people jumping on social media taking selfies of themselves taking videos of themselves, crying their eyes out saying, oh, I'm really like upset at the moment because this happened or that's happened or like I'm really struggling with my mental health, but they're not putting forward like what's going on in terms of explaining that. Mm. And I think there's a challenge with that because if, for example, I was at that end of the spectrum and I was really struggling, I'd probably speak to somebody before I went to thousands of people on Instagram. However, in this middle ground, I wanted to demonstrate to the people that support me on my email list the benefits that I found from gaining perspective from a particular book. Now, on crying before I go back to the book, I think there's elements where weirdly the times that I cry are when I'm most immersed by one particular thing, be that a particular film, which occasionally has moved me to tears or a particular book or a particular moment where I'm entirely focused and there's no other forms of distraction. Mm. Um, so for example, um, you might find that you cry at somebody's funeral because of course during that funeral, you're not, on your phone or talking to anyone else you're just listening to the sermon and you're just thinking of memories of the person that's lost or the impact that's coming thereafter Mm. in a particular film if you're in a cinema you hopefully aren't distracted by speaking to people or any other distractions and you're just immersed within the story and particularly if it's particular points that are designed to move you they tend to come later on the film when you are built an affinity with the characters and you're immersed in it Mm -hmm. i was completely immersed in the book the forgotten highlander which is the story of alistair urquhart now Alistair Urquhart is somebody that served in the the Gordon Highlanders regiment and was out in Singapore and the Japanese took Singapore and took thousands and thousands of bond prisoners and committed some unspeakable atrocities. Um, the Nazis and the Russian communists and the Soviets get a really bad rap from World War II and rightfully so. However, the Japanese were every bit, if not more cruel 
um, to the people that were persecuted, um, prisoners of war in particular. And his is the story of surviving this unbelievable series of obstacles. And I will not ruin the book for anybody, but in short, he survives probably four instances in total where you cannot quite believe how this man is still standing. His spirit, his body, everything has been beaten down to the lowest point. And reading historical stories like that, and I've actually read Man's Search for Meaning, which is the story of Viktor Frankl, who was in Auschwitz. And I was in tears reading that book as well. And I find the ability to gain perspective, to understand from history the, ext the extremities of human nature, what's changed about history, what hasn't changed and how people overcome adversity and to frame that against the adversity that you maybe feel that you in the modern age face day to day, it pales in insignificance. What we face now is not remotely similar mm -hmm. and any strife that I have where maybe a customer was a bit rude to me today, maybe my podcast didn't get as many downloads, maybe I didn't get the squat PR that I was hoping for, yeah. maybe my meeting ran over so I didn't get to go and train. That is nothing compared to the fact that this guy was working on Death Railway being beaten to a pulp by some Korean guard with a, <laughs> a, a rifle butt or they put him underground. And Yeah, it's real first world problems. Yeah, it really is, Johnny. And gaining perspective from history is something that I've gained an awful lot from. And reading this story and understanding the depths of depravity and outrageous behaviour that humans have been subjected to or been persecuted by, of, yeah, yeah it, 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 it is really really incredible and I massively benefited from it and I love reading self-development books and Atomic Habits and 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson or um, Essentialism by Greg McEwen great books but the books that really move you emotionally can be quite helpful as well because it can let you tap into the knowledge that what you're going through now is not the worst thing that could be happening to you and that sounds a bit extreme but we live lives of relative comfort nowadays don't we yeah no i like that so colin last question where is the colin campbell story going next what's the plans you are an organizer you are a planner where do you see things going what do you want to do interestingly i'm very process driven rather than outcome driven i'm actually quite bad at telling you what my big goals are people ask me like what are your 2022 new year's resolutions and I find it harder to articulate those than I can tell you what I'm going to be doing every week in 2022. So I can maybe tell you that for starters. Um, I want to continue to work on my health and my fitness as a, as a foundation. I am quite close to what I would call my natural potential in terms of like how my physique looks in terms of muscle and, and leanness. But I am embarking on a training program that's pushing that a little bit and I will diet down for a photo shoot again in the summer to to, to push that um, so is that a training program you're creating no um my own training program is being supported by mtn coaching uh which is my friend uh, yeah. david hat's business he is coaching me as part of a program called the growth project at the moment and i will do the 12 week peak after that in the build-up to a photo shoot um i need that little bit of support and accountability it's actually the first time that i've been coached for my body since i played rugby and was had a strength and conditioning coach um, which is great but even um, people who know that. what they're doing sometimes need that oh absolutely absolutely and david has a tremendous business and a tremendous range of services and i wanted to learn more about that as well because one of the things that we might talk about is that I'll, i'm looking to have like an office athlete program where i can support people to do what i do um in a relative way 
and understanding how David delivers that, he's very keen to to share how I might be able to do that myself as well in, in terms of a program. Um, alongside that, in my career, we have some pretty lofty ambitions for the student division at David Phillips, and I want to be a positive driving force for that and to support my colleagues to achieve some of the goals that we've got as well. And from a personal perspective, that will financially be very important for yeah. me, but also it will be like purposeful for me as well. If you invest 40 hours a week, sometimes more than that with all the travel I do around the UK, best believe I want to be feeling pleased with the results of it. Yeah, of course. But it's all process-based again, Johnny. So it's all process-based in terms of the boxes I need to tick during the week to mean that by the end of 2020, well, actually our financial year will be 1st of April, 2023. So I'll update you on that. But is it's all about what I'm doing week to week in terms of number of meetings, number of calls, number of proposals, number of projects quoted for, all these different metrics that you use. But I tick those off and I know what the big goal in that space is. And then last, but by no means least, alongside that kind of office athlete program that I'd love to bring to people and, and have a level of support for is the content I produce and the podcast, making sure I release it was at least one episode every single Sunday that goes into people's ears. An interesting conversation with somebody who practices what they preach or has a thought-provoking conversation and it allows people to pursue the best version of themselves, either just through stimulating their mind or by learning something directly from that guest. That's going to be the focus. Instagram will sit in the background of that and it will promote promote the podcast and it will share the things that I get up to on a personal level and the things that I put in my body and the mm. things that I'm doing. But that's probably the the different areas. And then last but by no means least is like, uh, like for my uh, social side of things and my family side of things, making sure that I am very present. I am actively social. And that's one of the things I write in my six minute diary, which I can't believe we haven't even spoken about, but you and I are both proponents of the uh, six minute diary. But one of the things I write in my gratitude journal is today I will be actively social and supportive. And that is reaching out to friends and family to arrange things that I really enjoy doing and they enjoy doing to make sure that we spend that time face to face, or at least I'm checking in with them to understand what they're up to, having phone calls with them and making sure that I'm a supportive figure in that space as well. Well, you kind of, I know, I know I said that was the last question, but you kind of touched on it. Can you go into what the, cause that's clearly going to be part of your long-term plan, the office athlete program, is that hush hush a wee bit right now or? Yeah, yeah. It, well, <laughs> I told you earlier that when I tell something, I get the same amount of dopamine and feedback and support that so if I was to actually do it. To trick so I shouldn't, I shouldn't trick myself into that, but ultimately it would be a six to 10 week support program where people would get support with their training, nutrition, habits, mindset, and routines that can enable them to pursue peak performance within their career or their business. If they're a business owner, because ultimately most people that own a business, unless it's a manual business are actually an office athlete because they're at their laptop quite a lot of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and making sure that you're you're ticking those both boxes so it'll be support through that through email video nice and colin did mention the gratitude journal but if you want to hear that uh, you'll just have to go and watch the episode of cambro or listen to the episode of cambro conversations yes. where i was a guest and we discuss those and kind of things quite heavily the, the stoic uh, stoic diary as well the stoic diary yeah if people want to know more they can go to that uh colin quick plug for yourself if people want to follow you on instagram listen to the podcast sign up to the email list yeah place to go uh, on instagram is at call.cambro the podcast is probably wherever you're listening to this but apple spotify Castbox. you're searching for cambro conversations and if you're not an instagram or social media person i am on linkedin which is colin t campbell and i'd love to hear what you think of this episode fantastic colin thank you so much for coming on thanks johnny
And there you have it. I hope you guys loved it. I hope you got some interesting takeaways. It would be amazing to hear if you did. It would be great to hear you guys' thoughts on the page. Um, I never want to ask too many things at the end of these episodes, but if you loved it and you've been enjoying it from the days of the 30-something podcast, please do leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I'd love for you to connect on the Instagram page. And at some point, thanks to the amazing studio I mentioned uh, during the episode where we recorded it, it all gets filmed and means we've got this long form video of the interview, which I think adds an extra edge. So over time, that will start to get uploaded to YouTube and I'll mention on an episode when I finally get around to that. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for your time and attention. And I hope you tune in next week for another great episode of The Story Club. <laughs>